This is More Than Before with Nathan Cook. Hey everyone, welcome to the show today. I am incredibly excited and honored to have our next guest. He is an extremely successful business coach and trainer. He has trained leaders all over the world and one specific location I'm actually really curious about, which we'll get into a little bit later, the Arctic Circle. He's an amazing dad, awesome husband, married for a long time. And he manages to keep himself in shape all of these years. He is an athlete. I would call him an athlete. He's finished seven half Ironman, which is insane because I don't think I could finish one even in my sleep. He's done a bunch of distance runs. Like this, this guy is absolutely amazing, not only in work, but also in life. But one of the things I love about him so much is he is a man of character. I'm really excited to have him on the show. David McGlennon, welcome. How are you doing today, brother? Hey man, I am I'm well, Nathan. It's so great to be here. Man, I hope I live up to that that great intro. Oh, I know you will. <laughs> you know, I keep I keep hearing this from people. I think maybe I need to lower expectations for people when I'm reading off their pedigrees, but I I don't I don't know if I could do that. It's interesting when when you are in the moment and actually working on your business, working on your career, working on your life, you don't actually see the progression. And so Yeah, it's true. We don't actually take that much time to go back and look at all of these amazing feats that we've actually accomplished. And so it's it's really cool to have someone actually from the outside perspective to be able to say, wow, yeah. this is this is actually quite amazing. In terms of this going to the Arctic Circle, first of <laughs> all, has to be absolutely cold. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what in the world were you doing there? Training leaders, uh, you know, the leader, <laughs> leaders are of, everywhere. They, all the SEALs needed some leaders up there. No. <laughs> <laughs> they did. They did. Yeah, no, there is a, uh, there's a mining company up there that is mi mining um, iron ore in the Arctic Circle. It's actually the purest iron ore in the world. The company that runs the mine wanted to be able to, to train their leaders in some safety leadership as well as intercultural leadership because there are two kinds of people up there. There are the natives, uh, the Inuit, and then there are what they call the Southerners, anybody outside of the Arctic Circle. And uh, so the company wanted to be able to, yeah, yeah, all the Southerners. Yeah. <laughs> so they wanted to integrate, you know, the, the, the two groups of people, teach them leadership, especially around safety. I, I had the opportunity to go up and be a trainer up there. It, it was really quite an amazing experience because just getting there was an adventure. We flew into Canada to, to Montreal and then we took a, a, a charter jet. I mean, it was, it, it looked just like a commercial jet. Like, a, I don't know, it was like a 737 or something. And we flew up to the next spot where we had to pick some people up that were going all the way up to the mine. So we, we flew for about three hours, landed on this like really little strip, picked up some, some passengers and then went up another two hours. And when we finally got there, <laughs> I I got off of the uh, off of the airplane, and I looked at the 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 person I was with. So you know Diane Dick. I, I, do you know Diane? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she was she was this was actually her client. So I got to got to kind of ride along with her client. So she and I were going up there together. And as I looked at her, basically I was going to say, "Man, it's cold," because we you know it, there's no there's no jet bridge there. You you get off the plane on the steps and then you walk indoors. I looked over this way and literally my contacts were freezing on my eye and, and my eyelashes were freezing. Just it's like 40 below zero is cold, man. It's just there are no two ways about it. So anyway, it was an amazing experience. Um, and, you know, you just had to like there, there were so many precautions too. like they had to check your your gloves. They had to check your boots to make sure that they were like rated to like 50 or 60 below zero and all that all that kind of stuff. So on top of the the, the, the great uh, privilege of um, sharing leadership concepts with uh, that team up there, it, it was really cool to be able to experience um, the Arctic and because I had never done it before. And so it was really cool. Yeah, it was a really cool experience. Well, it's definitely a different kind of cold, but I mean, even for you, so Pittsburgh <laughs> is known for some, some cold weather. 
you know, yeah. and so it's kind of funny to think about this. You yeah. thought you knew cold, and then all of a sudden oh, you yeah. find yourself in the Arctic Circle, and yeah. they're like, "Oh, look, a Southerner! Like he thinks he yeah. knows cold, right?" Yeah, that's kind of like there's... someone from Oregon coming out to uh, you know yeah. visit you, and you're like, "Oh, yeah, you think you know cold? You don't know cold. Yet. You don't know cold yet." <laughs> yeah, I will tell you, man. This was a this was taking cold to a whole nother level, man. A whole nother level. Oh, it was insane. It was oh my insane. gosh, it was definitely an adventure. I would imagine it would be. I, I would love to do that someday. I don't know if my wife would ever let me go. Um, <laughs> I'm curious from your perspective, growing up there, was it was it always harsh and cold and like you had to watch your back all the time? What, what was what was it like growing? <laughs> I don't know. That's I, I for some reason yeah. I just see like kids on the streets street snapping their fingers walking through oh, like so looking funny. at you. <laughs> yeah, we weren't gre- it, we, it wasn't grease or anything like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But what was well, what was life like growing up there? Like, uh, uh, did you have a lot of friends? Big family? What what was what was that like? So I grew up in a, a place called Fort Wayne, Indiana. So not far from here, about five hours drive from here, and it's roughly the same kind of a weather. Um, smaller town, not much, but smaller. So I I moved here when I was forty. So I don't have like you know growing up stories here. I have growing up stories mm. you know back in 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 Fort Wayne. But, but you know, the, the Pittsburgh is really, really kind of interesting because even when we moved here, the one thing that we noticed is that people everywhere, they'll talk to you. Like they don't care who you are, or wh- you know, where you came from. You're standing in line at the, you know, at the grocery store, you know, for the deli and, you know, people are just going to be talking to you like, Hey, how do you like that ham? You know, is that pretty good? And it's just, it was just kind of the way they were. And they also have some like some idiosyncrasies, like the first time the the guy behind the deli called my wife, Hun, she was like, wait a second here that she was like taken aback, like, I'm not your Hun. And but it's just it's like everybody calls you Hun or that was a big Hun one or sweet or they, darling or yeah, they have their own like little idiosyncratic words as well. So if you ever want to know what kind of like a a stereotypical Pittsburgher is like, go on to Instagram and look up Pittsburgh dad, Pittsburgh dad. I'm serious. He's got the, the, the accent. He's got the way they talk. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. He's hilarious too. It's interesting about community though, because uh, community is hard to find nowadays. I, I love it that is. there is a community that's there because, you know, growing up in Oregon here, there's been community all around. Like I, I remember going out and seeing neighbors and talking to people. And my dad yeah. was always the person that was really engaging with other with other folks. But it's fascinating to me because, you know, I traveled to other uh, other states and I start meeting people and they think I'm crazy for talking to people in line. They think I'm <laughs> crazy for asking like, hey, what's the best donut in this donut shop? Right. Like, yeah, they sure. look at you like. You don't ask those questions. Why are you talking to me? I don't know you. And I'm thinking, how do we build a relationship if you don't talk to me? And they look at me like, why do I want a relationship with you? (laughs) That's funny. I think it is really interesting, this kind of sense of community. Was that something that kind of drew you to Pittsburgh or like, was that something that you found a lot growing up, uh, a lot of community? Yeah. You know, where I grew up in Fort Wayne, I, I grew up in, you know, a relatively small Midwestern town and, you know, we you know, I grew up in an era where we played out until it got dark and even sometimes past dark and nobody really worried. And my mom and dad didn't know necessarily where we were, but we weren't going very far because, you know, we were on a bike. So community was really important. And when we moved here, what was really interesting is we lost all that community. Like it, it, Mm. I mean, we, we didn't know anybody. I knew one person. So I, I moved here because of needing a job. Part of my story is that I was a partner with my dad for almost 19 years and he died suddenly of a heart attack. And when he died, it was one of those things that I lost not only my dad, but I lost my business partner. And quite frankly, I lost a really good friend as well. And so it really started wearing on me because we had a small office at the time. We were, we were, had just been building a, a uh, consulting firm and then on top of that, um, the company that we were consulting for, essentially the CEO and the CFO were embezzling funds. And so long story short, you know, the, the company shut down, there were lawsuits everywhere. And, 
it was just it was just a disaster and so the stress of that i think was one thing that led my dad to you know have a heart attack although he also didn't take good care of himself physically it was one of the things that really i think was at the the foundation of why i wanted to be in shape and and really made a huge commitment to to my health so i i moved to pittsburgh because i i i wanted to get away from a, a, an empty office and uh, I, I was just looking for a job because our, our income stopped when that company defaulted, we didn't have any more income. And so I started networking and through, through that process had an opportunity to come to, to Pittsburgh. I was in the insurance business. So I came to work for a large insurance broker here in Pittsburgh. And that was the only people that I knew. I knew the, the, the office mate next to me and my boss. And that was, that was pretty much mm. it. So all that to say, we lost the community that we had back in Indiana and we had to recreate that. And it was, it, you know, it took a little while, but through just really being very persistent and, you know, just, I think too, all of the things with the kids, you know, having, you know, five kids, you, you have a lot of opportunity to interact with other parents, with, you know, with other uh, kids, other adults, you know, teachers and that kind of thing. But yeah, yeah community was, was huge. I love that. Cause so many people I think today don't, put enough effort into not only finding community, but creating community. And I think right. it's such an important aspect of life to create community around you because you will only grow if you're in a, in a community that is actually conducive to, you know, fostering that growth in you, you know, yeah, David, you're one of the few guys that I know that have a million kids. Okay. You don't have a million kids. <laughs> you got five kids, <laughs> but yeah, you know, different. With, with that, though, there is a sense of building community for your family and making sure that your yeah. kids have the right kind of community, especially when they're growing up and then also continuing to encourage them like, hey, like I remember specifically when I was growing up, my, my mother would always remind me that um, the company you keep is going to determine yeah. your, your level of success. Right. Yeah, sure. And I see a lot of kids nowadays that the company that mm -hmm. they're in is not going to take them very far in life. Yeah. What was that like for you in terms of cultivating family life? Because mm -hmm. you have been super busy your entire life. What yeah. was that like with you and your wife trying to cultivate a really healthy family? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting, Nathan. Um, I would say that my wife was much better at being intentional with cultivating that. She didn't have it as a child and she didn't have the community. She, she had um, a, a sister and a brother and she didn't have that. So it was really important to her. And, and she really made a big effort to you know, do a number of things. One of which was we always had dinner together and it was at 6 p.m., 6 p.m. You know, don't be late because we're starting without you. And with five kids, it's like if if if, you, if you're late and we start without you, you know, good luck. What you you're get? Whatever's left. You know. <laughs> yeah. uh, so so that was one aspect though of creating community where we had time around the table, and um, you know, when the kids were younger. It was, it was stressful. I mean, you know, people were, you know, the kids were doing the things that kids do, you know, licking each other's food and, you know, poking each other and, you know, complaining and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, um, it was just an amazing time. I look back on the times that we had around the table and man, I'll tell you what, I would go back in a heartbeat to, to be able to recreate and, and, and relive some of that time. And I have to say that I owe that part of our community and our family story to Cindy because she was very intentional about that. And, you know, I wished I could say, you know, I was really intentional, but I wasn't. And, and if, if I look back on my life, the one thing that I would say, I don't know if it's a regret, but it's one thing I would do over again differently. And, and that is mm. be much more intentional with, uh, with the time with my kids. I, I'm sure that I'm harder on myself than I, I, you know, maybe others might be, but it's one of those things in my mind, I look back and I think, man, I, I really wished I would have been more intentional in, in a lot of different areas. But as a family, as you can imagine, we were like a pack, you know, it's like, you know, everywhere we went. 
you know, we, we were like this little pack and, and slowly, but surely then, you know, we kept losing pieces of our pack, you know, and now it's just Cindy and I, and then we had to get two dogs yeah. just to make sure that we had a pack still. <laughs> <laughs> and even the, even then the dogs are still wandering off. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's really, really amazing though, because I, I think there are a lot of people that don't realize how important that relationship is with their spouse, right? You know, 34 years of marriage does not yeah. come easily. There's a lot of ups. There's a, there's a lot of downs and there's a For lot sure. of figuring things out, especially, you know, I, I hear so many marriages that start ending near the time of their kids going off and, and, and mm. moving on to different stages of life, whether that's college or getting a job or moving out of the house. And so I'm curious for you, was there an intentionality behind that to have a strong relationship with your wife as these things were happening? Or were there things mm. that maybe you did naturally that lent to that, that you look back now and you go, man, that if I could do that over again, or if I could share this with someone else, it would probably yeah. save a lot of pain. You know, I would say, again, I, I don't think I was very intentional with a lot of things um, until later in life. I, honestly, I think it was because both of us had a really strong commitment to the vows that we made. And in, in, and especially in Cindy's case, if you were to ask her, her parents were divorced when she was young. She was, I think, only eight years old. And that had a huge impact on her. And she, you know, she was determined that her family was going to be different. And I was committed to, you know, my, my vows to her. And so we, we, we just worked it out. You know, I, I don't know that we always did the best at working it out. And, you know, interesting, I thought where you were going to go with this, and, and I'll just kind of share this is that if your listeners are, you know, in the area uh, the, of age that I am, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 60 in a month and, and you, you know, maybe they're getting towards the, uh, that empty nest stage. There's a whole readjustment period that Cindy and I are going through right now. And we're, you know, we're just working through communication and things that maybe we didn't work through that mm. we probably should have at an earlier age. We're learning how to date again and just how to be together again. And, you know, that's a, that's another big adjustment. And I think there's a lot of seasons of life that we have to navigate you know, I think that when you have some history behind you, life throws a lot at you and you know that you've made it so yeah. far and we're going to make it. It's okay. We're going to, we're going to make it no matter what comes our way, we're going to make it. We'll be okay. We just may have to work through some things. It really is important that a lot of people take a moment in every season of their life and recalibrate. I yeah, think that's something sure. that I've actually admired about you specifically is that there's always a way forward. You're always going to find yeah. a solution to move forward. Yeah. And there is a compromise with those things of trying to make things work together with, with yeah. whether that's with a business or whether that's with someone in your family, yeah. there is something really important to be able to stop and saying, okay, so there is no option to back out of this. We have to move right. forward. So what is that going to yeah. look like? My listener base is, I feel like kind of all over the place because I have, yeah. I have people that are older on you know the other side of the mountain. I was just working with a, a couple this last week with my wife and we were talking to them about, this is what you need to do right Right now, when when you're you know talking about kids, you have to establish yeah. your relationship and who you are, not only as a married couple, but also separately. Because yeah, we, sure. we don't, I don't know about you, but my parents never told me that. I, oh, I don't no. ever yeah, recall no. a time where my parents sat me down and said, you know, Nathan, there's going to come a time in your in your life where you are going to have to stand up and you know be your own person in your marriage and and yeah. lead well. And yeah. your wife's going to do the same thing, but you're also going to have to come together and work together, even though you have disagreements. Yeah. I think I knew that something like that might happen at some <laughs> point, but I don't think I was ever given the instruction of like, hey, by the way, you, sh yeah. you should really get yourself put together before this whole thing happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, but, it's so funny because I was always the glass half full kind of a guy. And I always remember... I, I even told Cindy this after we got married, like when the pastor said, for better or worse, and I'm like for worse. What are you talking about? There's never going to be a worse. There's always a for better, you know, it's going to be a better and then a better. And oh my gosh, if I would go back and tell my 25 year old self something, it would be like, Hey, look, you know, just prepare for the worst because life, <laughs> life throws you those curveballs. <laughs> well, I laugh because I, I always remember my mother telling me, uh, till death do us part. You didn't realize that it was a, a finish line to get to. <laughs> right, right, exactly. But it's Funny. true. There is, there is a compromise that 
needs to happen. And, and I know for you, David, you've had a lot of trials in life. There, yeah, there, sure. yeah. there have been a lot of difficulties. And I know a lot of people have difficulties in life, but I think you've taken a lot of time to really take a step back to analyze those trials and say, okay, what do I mm -hmm. take from this? Yeah, it, sure. I, I always remember you eat the whole thing and you spit out the bones. You, 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 yeah. you try to suck out every good piece yeah. from it that you can, and then you kind of have to throw it away. Right. What were some of those pinnacle moments for you where maybe not in the moment you felt like, man, this is really good for me. Maybe you thought <laughs> like, this is the end yeah. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. um, but later yeah. on you look back in life and you go, that was a pinnacle decision in my life. That was a pinnacle yeah. moment where I learned something about myself. I think specifically for you, there's something about this tenacity, this perseverance in your life to keep going. Yeah. Gosh, I mean, it's like, there's so many that are flashing through my mind because I've, I've had a number of them and I tend to forget them, you know, because I, it's not something I think about all the time, but th there's one in particular so when we moved here to Pittsburgh, you'll recall, I, I was telling you that we didn't know anybody. And so we were just beginning to get to know people. 11 months into living here, I lost my job. And hmm. the company that I was working for laid off a whole bunch of people across their, their platform. I think it was like 10,000 people across, you know, worldwide. It was a big company. And so I was laid off and I had just made my first house payment. We were <laughs> we we had uh, moved into a townhouse and rented a townhouse first, and then we bought a house. And I made my first house payment, and it was on my son's birthday. And my wife was like, "David, where are you?" I was still at the office, and I said, "Long story, but I lost my job, and so I'm packing up, and I'll be home, you know, shortly." And it was like, "Oh my gosh!" It was such a blow because we had picked up, you know. I was 40 years old. We had spent 40 years in one place, in one community, picked up and mm. moved to Pittsburgh. And in that time, in the period between, you know, when I lost my job, it wasn't like our job market today. I mean, you know, today, you know, somebody loses their job, they can pick up a job in, in, in a heartbeat. It wasn't yeah. like that in 2004. So it took me a while to find a job. And through that period, I lost a lot of self-esteem and I, I really was, um, you know, I, I got into a really dark place and in, there was one moment where I think Cindy and I even had a disagreement and it just set me off. I left, I left the house and I actually had a plan to end my life. I, I, I knew what I was going to mm. do and I knew my family would be fine because I had a buttload of life insurance on me. You know, Cindy would have been, you know, a rich, you know, widow, but I knew that wasn't the right thing either. And I knew that, you know, there were people praying for me during this time. And so I just distinctly remember going to this park and kind of sitting there just stewing and not having, you know, a, any self-worth and feeling like I was worthy because I had wrapped my whole identity into my work. And, mm. um, you know, long story short, you know, I obviously, you know, didn't do anything. I also learned that I can get through hard things and I can get through moments of crisis, even when I don't feel like I'm, I'm worthy. And so I, I also, through that period of time, learned that my identity is not in my, in my work. Um, you know, it's, mm. I think that's actually a, a, a lesson that I'm, probably continuing to learn. Um, you know, it's, I, I wouldn't say I've learned it, but I'm continuing to learn because I love what I do. I get a lot of joy at, at helping, you know, leaders, um, executives, founders to be able to have a, a high impact culture and growth in their companies. So, I mean, that's one example of a time in my life when I just went through a really dark time and I knew that I had to keep pressing on. And so I learned yeah. how to press on and, and really learned how to, um, you know, kind of come back from a time when, you know, I thought I was going to be down for the count. I'm curious in that, in the darkest moment, what did you let go of in order to mm. move forward with that? Cause I, f I find that a lot of people, and I, and I love that you bring this up. I love this portion of your story, not because the actual content of this, of this particular piece, cause I know it's dark, but I know particular people that are still going through this today and, sure. and, and they, yeah. it's a, it's a constant battle. 
and yeah. and I, when I'm talking with them, I'm always thinking there's something that this person is holding on to that they need to let go of. I think yeah. some, a lot of the things in life um, that drag us down, they're not actually attached to us. We're literally holding on to them, white knuckling yeah. them, and they're dragging yeah. us down to the sea. And so mm -hmm. I'm curious for you, was there something in particular at that time that you let go of so that you could actually start to embrace some of the other things that were there that were out there? Yeah, that's a great question, Nathan. And, and actually the thing that like really, I think I let go of was my viewpoint that I was the provider of my family mm. and for my family, you know, that I'm a man of faith. I, I you know, I, I'm a Christian. And so I, in that moment, let go of my view that I'm the provider and I really let God be, you know, Jehovah Jireh, the, you know, God, the, the provider. I, mm. I think it was that moment that I really began to let go of, of, of my need to control the situation, the outcomes uh, in my life. And I, you know, I, I say, you know, I mean, that was, that was, a moment that um, I probably am still still learning. Again, you know, one, sometimes it's it's a it's a it's a it's a it's an evolution, right? You know, I'm still like yeah. God is still you know un <laughs> unlocking my fingers little by little. And still working, things. yeah, a little bit there. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, stop absolutely. That. You don't need to touch that anymore. Exactly. <laughs> I thought exactly. we got rid of that. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt, man. I mean, I think I'm better at it now than I was, um, but but certainly I, I that was you know the thing that came to me that that I let go of. I love that you talk about worthiness, uh, I, and I've heard this a number of times. Even even for those of you that are listening, you've heard this from past guests talking about this feeling of not feeling worthy enough. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, do do you still to this day? have complete peace with feeling worthy enough? Or is that something, mm. is that something that it kind of comes back and there's a reminder that has to take place mm. in terms of a worthiness to be where you're at, right? Uh, I think, I think there is something to be said with, okay, uh, you know, we say, oh, I, I don't feel worthy for my car and I don't feel worthy, you know, with my wife and I don't feel worthy for my job. And, or, mm. but then there's the, like, I don't feel worthy for the breath that's in my lungs. Right. Mm, like yeah, there's, yeah. there's a large spectrum of worthiness that kind of comes into play. Is yeah. that something that you deal with and then it's completely gone forever? Or is that a constant <laughs> wrestling that you have of worthiness? Yeah, I think it's a, it's, it's a constant. Um, I'm not sure if it's a wrestling with worthiness, but I think it's a wrestling with my inner critic more than anything and recognizing that God has given me certain gifts and as I use those gifts, standing in my confidence in those gifts, um, I've, I'm, I'm much better now than I was even eight years ago when I started my coaching business, because the, the, the journey of an entrepreneur is an inside game, man. And it's, you know, the, 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 the six inches between my ears is probably the biggest, um, you know, battleground. Right. And, um, yeah. so I, I think it's more of a matter of, uh, battle with my inner critic. Like, who do you think you are? You know, and, and, you know, all of these people are so much smarter than you. And, you know, what do you have to offer? And, and at the same time, I've learned to be able to quiet that inner critic and remind myself that God created me for a purpose. And he put these gifts within me to facilitate conversations, to, to choreograph mm -hmm. conversations and, and, and create psychological safety for, for organizations that ordinarily wouldn't even be engaged in these kinds of conversations. And, you know, I'll just give you a quick example of a, you know, a recent one at the beginning of this year, I, I secured a, a contract with a law firm and the, the managing partner asked me, have you ever worked with lawyers before? And I said, no. And he goes, well, I'm just telling you right now, man, they're, you know, they're a different breed, you know, they're, they're super smart. They're going to question everything. And so then I started like going, oh crap, you know, what did I get myself into? You know, maybe I really don't want this client. And, and you start, you know, playing those mind games, but it's been one of the best things that I've ever had to, to do because mm. what I've been able to do is in a, in a lot of ways, coach these lawyers who ordinarily you know, wouldn't have the, the space to, to, 
to have these kinds of conversations about about leadership and about you know how do we work with our associates and how do we work with managing partners and you know just mm. all of those kinds of issues and if it, if I didn't lean into my strengths of that facilitation these guys wouldn't have the space to do that and so you know I I, I just keep reminding myself that when I'm when I'm uncomfortable it means that I'm really growing and I'm stretching myself and. I, I, I absolutely, I love it and I hate it at the same time, but it's, it's, it's part of the, it's part of the growth process. I mean, growth is never easy, right? It's always stretching to us and, and it really is yeah. um, important for us to, to stretch in those areas. And I love that you step up. I think, I think many times, even in my own life, uh, even with things that I am talented at, I start to second guess them sometimes. And I think <laughs> that is because I allow people to plant seeds of doubt inside of me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and they mean well, but they plant these small little seeds of doubt. And instead of going, no, that's not it. Like God didn't create me to be that way. Like that's not that's who right. I am. Instead of yeah. taking those seeds and kind of throwing them out, I'm like, well, I'll get to that some other time. I'm going to go over here mm. and work on this other thing. Or like you just yeah. kind of ignore them. Um, yeah. You know, we, we have studied under some really amazing thought leaders, people who have really done some digging into how to do growth and how to work with those limiting beliefs and, uh, you know, the, the guardians of our mind that protect us. Mm -hmm. I'm curious for you. I hear a lot of noise around mindset nowadays because um, yeah. a lot of people talk about mindset, but I don't think a lot of people really understand Mm -hmm. how to do it. I'm, I'm curious yeah. as you're, as you're working on yourself and you're saying, you know what, uh, man, there's this, there's this little piece that's inside of me that, uh, that keeps telling me I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm, I'm maybe I shouldn't work with these lawyers as that piece is running around in your head. What is it? What's a practical way that you actually walk through that and release that or, or remove that? What, yeah. what do you do practically in terms yeah. of addressing some of those limiting beliefs that pop up. Man, I'm so glad you asked that because it's one thing that I think I'm really good at and I'm really good at being super disciplined with my routines and my rituals. My morning rituals, mm. uh, it, just, I think those are what saved me. And one of the things that I do in that, in that morning time is I journal. And sometimes when I journal, it's, I'm, just, I'm just talking to God. And I'm just writing, you know, th random thoughts that are running through my head. Sometimes I'm writing out the things that I'm thinking about, things I need to do, um, who I'm becoming. But I always end with at least three things that I'm grateful for. I've missed very few days in the last probably seven or eight years of, of journaling my gratitude. And I think if there's one thing that I can say without a doubt that helps me to overcome that imposter experience and, and the self-doubt and the critic. It's, it's learning to, to be grateful for the things that I do have. Because when we see the things that we have and we can be grateful for just the very gift of, of breath and life and sight and, and sound and hearing and man, it changes our perspective so much. I, I think that's probably the one thing practically that I would encourage any of your listeners to just implement. And if you, you know, if you need journaling prompts, you know, just think about some questions like, who am I becoming? Who do I want to become? What's, you know, I, I'm imagine myself five years from today. And, you know, what did I do to, uh, to get to the place where I'm at today? What were some of the, what were some of the high points? I just love being able to think through different, you know, questions of, of who I'm becoming. So journaling, I think, uh, is, is such a, a critical practice and, and something that I would encourage uh, a lot of, uh, you know, all the leaders that I talk to, um, to, to do. Journaling really is an important aspect of growth. There's there's a number of different reasons that we could go way down a rabbit trail into of why journaling is is so good for you. I think yeah. I think a lot of people when it comes to this idea of journaling, they're intimidated because they feel like they have to sit down and they write. They're gonna have to write a book, or yeah. they're gonna have to spend you know forty five minutes to an hour writing out their feelings, or yeah. and, and and it really doesn't need to be that. There really is this process of just being able to get it out of you. Because I know the writing aspect is huge. What does the review process look like for you? Because we've all uh, at some point written some things down. We're like, oh yeah, <laughs> that's a really great thought. I'm gonna come back to that. 
or this yeah. is oh this was this was the moment and, you know they just finished writing this was the moment that everything changed like <laughs> i have right. such clarity i'm gonna come yeah. back and base my life off of this and then you never come back and read that yeah. what in terms of a routine do you have to go back and to review that because one of the biggest aspects of journaling is being able to take that thought that's between that real estate between your head yep. and seeing it apart from yourself. We don't ever separate those thoughts from our actual being to, to actually analyze them. What is that process like for you to review what you've actually written so that you can actually grow from what you've put down? Yeah. So it all stems really from my, my weekly, my monthly and my quarterly routines and rituals. And so um, I do a weekly review and a weekly preview. So I look at I look at my week. I, I happen to use a, a a tool called the Full Focus Planner by Michael Hyatt, um, and and so in that in that rhythm, um, I look back and I look at my you know what did I journal this week? What were some of the things that I uh, was thinking about? What are some of the the ahas or the ideas that came to me? And then I'll record any notable things in my, in my full focus planner. And if there's something that I need to um, like time activate where I, I need to put it on my calendar, I'll put it in there and I'll also, you know, add it to my, my, my electronic calendar. And so that review process is, is weekly. And, and I also then preview the next week and plan the, the next week, but then on a monthly basis, I look back and I look at the month and I really look at like, what did, I, what were my wins and what were some of the things that I've done that were, you know, were gains. And, um, in that process then too, I'll kind of revisit those notes from, from my journals, mm. uh, or my journaling. And then on a quarterly basis, I, I look and see, you know, how did I, how did I do on the objectives that I set for that quarter? So that's, that's kind of my process that I, that I walk through, you know, this evolved over the, over a period of time, but definitely every week I'm, I'm going back and, and looking at my journaling, anything that's, you know, significant. Some of it's just rambling and it's okay, but some of it's, you know, Hey, I had this idea. And, um, I mean, one thing I'm going back to a lot is in the, in the month of July, I, I took a sabbatical. So I took 30 days off. So I did a lot of writing and journaling then. And as I wrote about my, the, the next season of my life and the next season of my business, there were a lot of things that I wrote down as, as my vision for, for the next season, man, I've been going back more than once a week to, to that, those pages, really reviewing those and really marinating in those so that, that, that vision becomes real, that I can, I can see it in my mind. I can feel it and I can, I can really, you know, presence myself in that because it, you know, it's just, it's just journaling and writing words on a page if I don't, you know, go back to it. So that's something that I've been really revisiting a lot lately um, because it's still so fresh. That's so good. You know, the, the clarity of vision, I think, is a huge piece that I don't think we ever really grasp that concept. I think a lot of people don't grasp it until their later years in life, until, you know, their yeah. late 30s, maybe late 40s, something like that. You know, we, we're always told like, hey, have a vision for your life, know what you want. And I think I think most times we 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 get stuck in the vision of like, OK, this is what I want. I want the house. <laughs> I want the car. This is the income that I want. I want the pretty girl or the pretty, or, you know, <laughs> handsome guy. You know, yeah. there's th there is this piece that we do have a vision for certain things, but yeah. I think oftentimes we don't actually envision and we don't actually plan for who we want to be, who we're going to show yeah. up as in those moments of life. You know, in the next mm -hmm. you know ten years of your life, what kind of husband are you going to be to Cindy? What kind yes. of dad are you going to be stepping into the shoes for, for your kids? And right. I think a lot of people don't actually spend time presencing. I love that you said that, you know, I want to presence myself because mm -hmm. presence is really important. We know presence like in the present tense, right? We walk right. into a room and my presence is here, but we don't ever extend that presence out to the future of what do we really want yeah. in our life? How, how do we want to show up? In this mm -hmm. next season for you, David, since I, because you've had this massive amount of reflection of what you want in this next season of life, and you're going back yeah. and you're reviewing this weekly, which by the way, I love that you said weekly review and preview, because I'm mm -hmm. going to, I'm going to steal that. And I hope that everyone sure. listening, you steal that too, because it's an important yeah. aspect, but I'm curious, 
what are you presencing yourself for right now? Like, what are you envisioning in the future so clearly that you're not actually going to be that in the future, but you're actually going to start living that out today? Today, yeah, that's such a, gosh, that's such a great question. Uh, you know, the, the, the biggest thing for me is not looking for things, but looking for experiences and presencing myself in, in experiences with, uh, with other people. I think I, I got to the place in my life where I could care less about cars. I could let, care less about houses. I could care less about, you know, a lot of the things in life because I've lost both of my parents and I know what it's like to go through those things. And honestly, most times they just get thrown away. And so it really doesn't matter. Mm. What does matter are the people that you get to, to, to impact. I'm really presencing myself to really be a, a mentor and a coach for emerging leaders all over the world. Because one of the things that I recognized just not too long ago is that I have a passion for emerging leaders because I was one, you know, my, my dad, uh, I was an emerging leader, you know, in my dad's organization, but he didn't really know how to help me grow and, 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 and lead me and groom me as his successor. I got thrown into the fire when he died, man, I had to do depositions. I had to do all kinds of stuff that I was ill prepared for. And so I don't want mm. that to happen to other leaders. And, and I will, I will just say this, that there are a lot of baby boomers who are getting ready to retire they're going to sell their business. Maybe they don't think they're going to sell their business or they're not going to retire. But at some point you're checking out, man. I mean, we, we don't, we don't, we don't get a free pass on this life and they're not ready to hand it off to the next generation of leaders or to whoever's going to come behind them. And so my passion is to help leaders like that to prepare and to prepare, not just the next level of leaders, but also to prepare themselves at what's next for them. Because that's the one thing that I'm, the other, you asked about what I'm presencing. One of the things I'm presencing is being someone who is willing to slow down. Man, mm. I, I'm a, I'm a full force, you know, Mach 3 hair on fire kind of a guy. I, I love, you know, I love going fast. I just, it's part of my nature, but I tell you, Nathan, I'm learning to slow down and I'm learning the value of slowing down just, you know, with my sabbatical, it just really, struck me that there's so much, you know, it's this, it's the Ferris Bueller line, right? If you don't slow down, you're going to miss what's going on around you kind of a thing. And, and I just, I, I know that that's something that um, I'm going to be better at and I'm presencing, you know, in the moment is, is learning to, to, to slow down. I love that you say that you were talking about presencing and what you're, what you're yeah. putting forth in terms of who you want to be. And I love that fact yeah. of, of slowing down currently right now. You know, there's so many people, whether whether you are on the earlier side of your career or if you're on the the latter side of your career, yeah. it doesn't matter where you are. You got to slow down. Yeah, for like sure. we're, we're, we're finding such fatigue and burnout in every industry with people that are going so hard. They're never taking breaks. I yeah. always remember, I don't think it was my parents, but I, I would almost attribute it to them uh, saying, you know, uh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Actually, I'm pretty sure my mother actually does say that. I'll sleep. I'll sleep when I'm dead. No, 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 no. You don't yeah. sleep when you're dead. That's how you're yeah. gonna get dead. You're gonna get. <laughs> you don't want to yeah, get exactly. dead. And you gotta sleep, right? Right. And exactly. it, it really is so important right now with a lot of the a lot of the stuff that I'm reading from experts of slowing down, of getting mm -hmm. rest, of not speeding through your meal, uh, you know, taking yeah. a breath. And not, yeah. you know, hyperventilating, <laughs> you know, right. there, there are so many things in life. There are these warning lights, you're driving in your car and all of a sudden you get the, you know, the gas light comes up and you're like, okay, like I got to go get gas. And then all of a sudden the engine light comes on and you're like, well, that's <laughs> kind of strange. And then all of a sudden the entire board lights up and you're like, oh, Christmas has come right. early. I'm going to have to pay <laughs> for a lot of things. Right. Yes. Yeah, right. In a lot of people's lives right now, the lights are going off and they've been flashing for a while. There's saying check yeah. engine, check engine, check oil. Yep. And people are blowing through them and they're ignoring them. I envision the guy that puts the, you know, tape or the cardboard over that one section of their, of their <laughs> dashboard that says, well, yeah. if I can't see it, it doesn't exist, right? It doesn't exist, right? Well, right. it does exist and it will happen. And sooner or later that engine is going to blow, 
and yeah. you, won't, you don't get another engine in this life. Yeah, exactly. And so I love that you say that because many people, because they are on this, trying to get on a fast track towards something, yeah. the fast track isn't worth it. At the end no, of your life, slowing down, spending those times with your with your family, with kids, developing relationships with friends and community, yeah. those truly are some of the greatest things that that we need to keep in mind. We've talked about so many things, David, and I absolutely love this conversation. It's so good. I, I want to ask you one more question here before sure. we kind of end. Before we do, I want to encourage all of you listening. I want you to go find David McGlennon. Uh, on Instagram. You can find him really easily. It's super simple. Okay. Just search for D McGlennon, or you can also find him, his podcast, which is also, by the way, amazing. Go check that out in the growth space. Uh, you can find that also on Instagram. If you want to reach out and connect with him and talk with him about bringing him into your company and, and working with your emerging leaders, you can actually go to his website, davidmcglennon.com. That's David, M-C-G-L-E-N-N-E-N.com. Earlier, you were talking about identity identity and how your identity was lost mm -hmm. when it was attached to your job. Yeah. And that really resonates with me right now. You know, I have a couple of friends who I was just talking with even within the past couple of weeks and they're in their fifties and sixties and they just lost their job and yeah. they're going, what in the world am I going to do? Like I was close to retirement and now that's, I don't even know if that's an option now. Mm -hmm. their, their, their entire identity has been wrapped up in their job for so long that they can't see anything else. And maybe they're thinking dark thoughts. Maybe, maybe they're mm -hmm. allowing themselves to go to places they shouldn't. Yep. I'm curious for you, what would you say to the person who has their identity wrapped up in things, in jobs, mm. in positions, and all these things that are so easily ripped away, right? Like yeah. even tomorrow, just it could be gone. Yep. Yep. What would you say to that person that is currently going through that as, as an encouragement to say, hey, you know what? This isn't your life. Your life mm. is so much more than your position in your job. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things, th th there's an exercise that, that I went through um, with one of our mentors that really helped me to create the identity that I wanted. I, I think the, so, and, and essentially it's, you know, you, you talk about anything that comes after the, the words I am is attributed to your identity. You know, I am mm -hmm. a father, I am a husband, I am a vice president. I would, I would look at those things that you're telling yourself right now. And if, 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 you know, you're wrapped up, if your identity is wrapped up in your uh, business, your career, I, I would look at the things that are outside of that and, and begin to rehearse to yourself, what are you? I am a dad. I am a father. I'm a, I'm a very productive human being. I am worthy. There are all, all of those kinds of things that you can help rehearse in your mind. And so I would, I would say to start with that, to begin, but secondly, I think get a hobby, <laughs> uh, <laughs> find a hobby and, and to be, you know, be very honest, you know, I'm looking for a new hobby because, um, one of the things that the years that I've been, you know, doing racing and, and working out is starting to wear on the body. And so I'm, I'm looking for other ways to stay in shape physically and then also do some other things that are more creative. I still work out an awful lot. And that's, that's one thing that I just love to do because I, I, I know that the health of my body is what's going to carry me forward into my next 20 or 30 years, you know, God willing. So you asked about, you know, people that are wrapped up in, in their career and their identity is in, in their work, find a hobby and find some other thing outside of yourself that you can invest your time in. And I would also say there was a question that popped in my mind as you, as you, you were kind of painting that picture um, of your friends that had lost their job. And, and, it, it, the, the coach in me starts to come out and I, I like to ask good questions. And the question that popped into my head was, what does this make possible for you? What does mm. this, what does losing your job make possible for you? For me, um, it was a, it was a process, but what it made possible for me was being a part of a, a startup company and learning how to really be a leader. And I learned to um, rely on myself. I learned to increase my skills, my sales skills, my, my organization skills. 
And, and, and that's what, that's what losing my job made possible for me. And, and so I, I just love that question about what does it make possible for you? Because too often times we get in these dark places and we think that we don't have any options. And really what that question does is it releases the, the blinders and it really helps us to see what are the possibilities. I'm so glad that you guys are listening to this because this is just pure wisdom being just spilled out right now. As you were talking about the I am statements, and I love that you bring that up. You know, there's there's a really cool portion of scripture where Moses is asking, it's Moses yeah. in the in the burning bush, right? And right. he's asking, you know, who should I say that sent me? Who should I yeah. say that sent me? And who does God say that he is? He says, yeah. I'm Jehovah, mm -hmm. I, which means I am. And yeah. people are like, wait, I am what? Like, I am, I'm what? Like, give me, give me the rest yeah. of it. Like, yeah. and he's saying, no, I am, I exist. I think it is truly an amazing question. What does this make possible? going through the situation right now, whatever it is that you're going through, whether that's a loss of a job or a loss of a family member or a loss of anything, what, what does this make possible right now in your life? It makes it possible for you to live into more of who God called you to be. Yeah, and you have, we have to define who that is. You can't go to anyone else. This That's isn't right. a thing that you go to a book and the book goes, <laughs> oh, Nathan, this is who you are. And I'm like, man, why didn't That's I right. read this book 10 years ago? This would have been amazing, right? right? It's not how it works. You do the work like David was talking about earlier of, of going and doing some reflective journaling, spending mm -hmm. some time setting it up, doing a preview and a review. But you're, you're also asking yourself those questions in this time where I am right now, what has God freed me up from? So that I could actually move forward and be more of who he created me to be. Because there are things I think in life that you have not, you and I have not been able to be because of our job, because of certain circumstances. Yeah, that's right. And God just opened up a door and said, guess what? I've taken that away from you. I've taken it off your plate. Now I'm calling you to step up into the shoes that I called you into be. Man, uh, that is so good. I don't I don't even think we could end on a better note. <laughs> Brother, I, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate you coming on and pouring amazing stories out, wisdom. And I know mm. everyone listening is also going to get that same benefit just, just from listening to what you had to say. Mm. I appreciate you being a good friend. I love that you are bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. Mm. And I think many people could definitely, definitely benefit from that. So reach out, mm. connect to David. Absolutely great person to have in your corner. For those of you that are listening, share this episode with a friend. Someone in your life is going through something and they need to hear the words that David said. Someone needs to actually hear from someone like David to say, hey, slow down. Slow down and write out what it is that you really, really want. Write out who it is that you are. Share this episode with a friend. Like this episode. Subscribe to the podcast so you can catch the next ones that are coming out. I always want to remind you, be more, see more, and experience more together.